0: Facial recognition systems are the next battleground for hackers trying to commit identity fraud and also claim unemployment benefits. From June 2020 to January 2021, there were more than 80,000 attempts to fool the selfie step when trying to claim unemployment benefits. Analysts also say that the fastest growing type of financial crime is known as synthetic identity fraud, where fraudsters use artificial intelligence to combine features from different faces to create a new identity. For more on how hackers are trying to fool these facial recognition systems, we'll speak to Parmi Olson, technology reporter at the Wall Street Journal.
1: When I started researching this piece, the first example I got came from China where a couple of fraudsters had found a way to hack a facial recognition system used by the government tax agency to, in a convoluted series of steps, fake something like 70 million dollars worth of tax invoices and basically net that amount of money. And they were essentially using artificial intelligence powered videos of fake faces to get through the system. And as I was writing the piece, I, I thought oh this it sounded like this was kind of an isolated incident. It was um, didn't sound particularly widespread. But then I talked to a facial recognition company in the United States that said, as you pointed out those numbers, something like 80,000 attempts had been made. These, we're talking people with masks, literally wearing masks, trying to fool this step in uh, the state unemployment agency app. Instead of showing their face, they show an, a mask. And some of them were actually getting through. I mean, they wow. were also using these deep fakes. These are like computer-generated images created by AI of of a fake face. And some of these images were actually tricking the system. This isn't just something that was happening in China. It's happening in the United States as well.
0: There was a a photo that you put in your article that was provided by that company, ID.me. Were those actual photos of people that were trying to fool the system?
1: Yeah, they were actual pictures of people who were trying to fool wow. the system. And if you look at the picture, they're very creepy. <laughs> yeah, they're of people. So, that's why I had so to creepy. ask. These masks, they're like these kind of looks like wax dripping off someone's face, yeah. or like one of these really ugly plastic masks. And, and a lot of those didn't work, but there were others that did work. And one example is there's this picture that they sent me of a woman. She's got lovely kind of straight hair and a nice kind of small smile. And it's a completely fake face. It's generated by artificial intelligence. It's a deep fake. And that was one of the types of images that actually did trick the system. Another way that you can trick some of these systems, I was told by another security expert who has done this, is to take a printed photo of someone else's face and cut out the eyes, hold that photo in front of your face so that your eyes show through and you can move your eyes and blink a little. And that can potentially trick some facial recognition systems, because they're looking for what they call liveness. They want to see um, an eye blinking or moving around, and that's kind of enough to pass the threshold to get wow. through.
0: I mean, if anything, everybody listening out there should go check out Parmi's piece just for those creepy pictures, because uh, because it, it does illustrate. I mean, sometimes you think like that's never going to work, but sometimes, as you mentioned, it does. So this is uh, in these kind of incidents right now. But you know, a lot of people are looking to the future of. How this could even expand, you know, people are also looking at, you know, what you mentioned in the article, uh, creating Frankenstein faces. So taking eyes from one picture and mouths from another picture, and then kind of do what they're called synthetic identity fraud, creating new identities so you can whatever claim some benefits or whatever, and it's just a completely fake person at that point. So this is kind of like the evolution of it that people are worried about.
1: Exactly, and this synthetic identity fraud isn't just creating new faces and making these Frankenstein faces by taking a nose here and an eye there or, or whatever, even completely making a new face with AI, but also bringing together this person's social security number or this bit of location data or this birth date and just creating a whole new identity. And apparently, and this was according to Experian, the credit scoring company, and they said this is actually the fastest growing type of financial crime
0: Right now. Wow. I and mean, just trying to create these new identities and then claim whatever benefits that they can. Looking on the other side of things, you know, one of the facial recognition tools that we use pretty much every day, it seems like, is our phones. How does that work? And are, are people trying to hack into those? Because, you know, my understanding, you wrote about it too, uh, at least uh, on the Apple side of things, your iPhones, those are pretty hard to fake. Those are pretty hard to crack. 100%.
1: And it's a, an important distinction to make because whether you're on a Samsung phone or another Android phone, and in particular the iPhone, the iPhone's face ID is actually one of the most difficult facial recognition systems to fool. And that's in large part because it uses the hardware of the phone. It uses this dot projector that puts these thousands of invisible dots on your face to create a depth map and then it also captures an infrared image of the face. You can't really do that without using the hardware of the phone. So it's a combination of really clever machine learning algorithms plus the hardware, and you've got this really secure system. The problem is that if you are using a banking app or you're trying to go onto a government app, perhaps apply for unemployment benefits, these third parties cannot use Face ID to onboard people. And that's because Apple has this very strict rule about privacy that the data that Face ID collects should never leave an iPhone. And so these banks can't actually use that to onboard customers. And so when you log into your banking app, you can use Face ID, that's fine. But if you're, when you're first registering, that's the kind of weak point that security researchers are a little bit concerned about.
0: So now the question is, you know, how do we fight this type of you know, trying to fool the facial recognition. And a lot of it has to do with more AI, training it better to recognize the fakes and and all that.
1: That's right. It's just a lot of extra training that you have to do. And I've spoken to a few security researchers about it. And this, this type of spoofing is known as a presentation attack. And people in the field of biometrics are very familiar with that term. And it's a constant race to try and prevent these presentation attacks from happening. And one way is to simply, when you're training a system to recognize a person's face, you have to train it to also recognize all the other potential different varieties of that face. So that face wearing certain glasses or wearing a hat. And sometimes researchers have found that if they wear a hat or a pair of glasses that actually have special designs on the glasses, that If they're specially calibrated, they can actually trick the facial recognition algorithm into thinking that person is someone else like Elon Musk or a celebrity, J.K. Rowling. So you have to train the system to anticipate every single one of those possible possibilities. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, it's just an interesting look into how this facial recognition systems are being are, are, are people are trying to hack them? Google, Facebook, Apple—they're all working on ways to prevent these presentation attacks. Uh, and you also mentioned the article: Facebook is releasing new tool for detecting deep fakes. But uh, I suggest everybody go and read Parmi's piece. It was it's very well written. And then uh, also for those creepy masks that people were, <laughs> that people were trying to use. Parmi Olson, yeah. technology reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Finally, for this week, be careful when you see your favorite influencers and personalities promoting cryptocurrency. With all the hype around crypto right now, many are promoting altcoins or meme coins, and unfortunately, they are often tied to what's known as pump and dump schemes. Influencers pump up the altcoins in their networks, the value rises for a very short period of time, major investors dump the coins when it hits their peak, and everyone else is left with these crypto coins worth nothing. For more on the shady world of influencers promoting cryptocurrency, we'll speak to Matt Binder, reporter, at Mashable.
2: Cryptocurrency is big right now, especially off of earlier this year when there was the whole thing with the meme stocks like GameStop and AMC. And then crypto blew up shortly after. You know, crypto seems to ebb, ebb and flow throughout the years. It has its big moments and it has its, its low moments. And uh just a few months ago Bitcoin blew up once again and Dogecoin followed and Dogecoin especially was really important to a lot of people in the crypto world, especially when we're talking about these altcoins or meme coins, because that's what Dogecoin is. It it wasn't set up like a, a Bitcoin or an Ethereum where it was meant to be taken as a serious endeavor. It was made as a joke. It was built off of the Doge meme. So seeing it go from under a penny to a high of 70 cents like it did in May, a lot of people in the crypto world were like, you know, what meme can we turn into a cryptocurrency? Right.
0: Yeah, and you see a lot of these things. I mean, some of these names are unrecognizable or, or, you know, just don't mean anything, right? They just kind of come out of nowhere. And even in my own feeds, I had been seeing a bunch of people you know, some of these influencers, I guess I didn't know who they were at the at the time, but, you know, just saying, hey, jump in right now, get this new meme coin, get this new coin, and we'll ride it over the, to the, you know, onto the moon, as they say. But we're seeing a lot of uh, Twitch streamers, YouTubers getting into this game now, and a lot of times their fans find out later that um, there really wasn't anything to it there. They lost money, and it's becoming an increasing problem.
2: Right. You know, there, there's all sorts of different altcoins out there on different memes. I and mean, when you hear about some of them, like you said, they certainly sound ridiculous. There's one that was promoted by one of the biggest Twitch streamers, Aiden Ross, that was called TitsCoin. I had a lot of people when my piece came out, you know, share the piece and reply, you know, if you're if you're investing in something called Coin, then, you know, maybe you deserve to be, uh, uh, uh you know, t- your money taken from right. you. you deserve to be scammed. But it's like. You could say the same about Dogecoin, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's why they have all taken their inspiration from Dogecoin. It was a meme about a dog, like a a single picture of a dog and uh, a Shiba Inu. And it blew up as a crypto. Even the founder of Dogecoin got out of his own creation years ago before it blew up because he thought the fact that people were taking it seriously was ridiculous and he didn't want any part in it. So the idea that someone young, especially think about the ages of some of these people who are watching a a Twitch streamer, they hear about Dogecoin. Then they hear in the media about these few lucky people who became Dogecoin millionaires. And it's like, wow, if I I got in early on one of these next meme coins, that could be me. I want to take part in that. That's what happens here. I, I don't think it's helpful for people to try to like, you know, claim that, Uh, You know, it's obviously a scam because I think Dogecoin is proof that um, there are people who get lucky. And unfortunately, uh, I guess uh, when your favorite influencer is hawking something and you're of a certain age, you trust them and you don't think they're going to be doing something for just their own benefit. They're trying to get me in on the winnings too. But unfortunately, (laughs) that's not the case.
0: They refer to it as a pump and dump scheme a lot of times. And basically, you know, you'll have an influencer pump up the coin say hey this is great let's get in on this uh the values will go up for you know super short time in a lot of cases and then everybody else that already has a bunch of the coins who's already invested dumps all that out and then the thing tanks and then if you're left one of the few people left holding some of that you know your the value for you really plummets
2: and see a lot of times with these altcoins like a Uh, like a tips coin or another one I talk about in the piece, uh, save the kids, uh, another one's bank social. The thing is that a lot of these altcoins have pre-sales for people who know about the, the, the altcoin before it actually launches to the public. What happens here usually is who gets in? The influencers who they hire to market the coin, their friends and family members, and they buy it at pre-launch at the you know, absolute lowest value before it goes live it launches, the influencers tell everyone, hey, this is a great new investment here, you should buy into it. The coin rockets up from all the people buying into it. And then when it hits a certain point, usually the whales, as they call them, the people who hold the majority of this crypto, end up dumping it because they're gonna walk away with a return on their investment. And when they do this, because they're holding so much of this coin, it completely tanks the value of it. And then everyone else who bought in because they thought it was going to be a great investment because their favorite influencer told them, and they bought when it was already you know going up in price, you know they, they bought at a price that this coin will never likely get to again. Right. Or even worse, they've lost uh, everything because the coin ends up being worthless. Like there is, there is two things that happen here. Not all of these coins I should I should stress. Are are built to be a scam or to bilk people of money. It just turns out that way because of how it's built. Even if someone does have the best intentions, um, but you know these these projects fail, and sometimes people are left with getting not even you know a portion of their money back. The, right. the project's just done.
0: One of the examples you use in the piece is the esports team Phase, uh, the Phase Clan, and you know they have a bunch of guys on their team and. Uh, uh, you know, between all of them, uh, a bunch and a bunch of followers, and they were pumping out a couple of uh, coins that they were um, they wanted people to get into, and a lot of their followers got in on that. I think uh, it, it all tank, uh, you know, crashed down just as you had been describing, and a lot of their fans were, were pretty angry that uh, that they even kind of started shilling it out to them.
2: Right, right. They, they, Faceclan seems to be a major. Uh, 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 tool for these crypto, these altcoins to go to in order to promote their their, their uh, crypto. Well, basically, you know, they're, they're a huge uh, esports team. In fact, just this month, they became the first ever esports organization to brace the cover of Sports Illustrated. So, you know, what we're talking about here is pretty much like you know the LeBron James of their field. So you have this team go ahead, and not, not all of them, but a number of high-profile members, people with millions of followers across various platforms they promote these altcoins and what i said has happened in terms of the pump and dump to pretty much every coin i came across there there's one member who i noticed would promote probably more than half a dozen over like just a few weeks span uh phase k and i know he's come out since my piece and has apologized for why i went down and claiming that you know he he didn't really know what was going on here But that, regardless, I mean, the idea that you would just throw all these investments out and claim that all of them are going to be, uh, you know, a a good investment for your fans, as there's time in between for you to see each one of these coins tank. I mean, I should stress here that it's not like people would buy these coins and over a few weeks or months spend – it would suddenly tank. No, I'm talking literally within hours after these influencers were promoting these coins, this thing would, these coins would just be worthless. And one example is save the kids. And this one is especially egregious because uh, a number of uh, uh, members of FaZe Clan, including some prominent YouTubers who aren't part of that team, like RiceGum, promoted this token called save the kids. And Save the kids what they did. Now, that doesn't sound like a meme, right? Because it wasn't. This is another uh, uh, marketing scheme that some of these altcoins use, and that's the charity angle. And this coin marketed itself as a cryptocurrency that would tax a percentage of all transactions and give it to children's charities. This coin launched on June 5th, being pumped by a number of these influencers. They, They were even... Uh, showcased, these influencers were even showcased on the Save the Kids website yeah, as like official amb- ambassadors. Um, and they made a marketing video for the coin. It launches June 5th. It goes up and then within a few hours, it tanks all the big holders sold. Uh, two weeks later, on June 17th, there's an announcement in the official Save the Kids Telegram channel where basically the founders who are funding the operation have disappeared, the developer they contracted they can't the developer can't get a hold of them, so effectively the developer announces at this point unless he can find someone else to help keep the operation going, save the kids coin is dead. Wow. So I mean you have people who bought into this who now have uh, are holding a worthless investment, uh, and uh, you know it, it, by the way since my piece was published at the time it was published. Those those influencers were still prominently showcased on the website. After it was published, uh, whoever was responsible for the Save the Kids website uh, took the influencers down, left everything up on the website, just removed their images. Uh, Again, supposedly the founders bailed. I don't know who's responsible for the website, but their images have now been removed to sort of uh, keep them away, far away from whatever went down here.
0: Matt Binder, reporter at Mashable, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: That's it for this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter, and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive has been engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition.